We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Breaking news, Terry Rozier. He'll be the next starting point guard of the Charlotte Hornets. Step back, wide open, and it's good! Terry Rozier! All right, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another Buzz Beat, your Charlotte Hornets podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I am Richie Randall, and will be joined, as always, by co-host Brian and Spencer. Brian, how's everything going? Things are good. Uh, ACC basketball season. I mean, I guess conference play is sort of is is almost like tiered because there were some November games and then some early December games. And, and, and now as we head into to the new year, it's really going to start ramping up here. Uh, ACC January through March is crazy time of the year. Um, excited to announce too, that this week, tomorrow night. So Wednesday night and Saturday night, I'll be doing color commentary for the high point university games, which is exciting. They're playing Valparaiso tomorrow night. So looking forward to getting back and doing a little in-game commentary and, uh, that will put me behind on all the actual work that I need to be doing, but uh, that's all good. So things are, things are going well. And uh, how about you guys? How have, have you finished up Christmas shopping yet, Spencer? No, not uh, in close. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm about uh, halfway through, I think. Ha- have barely started. Yeah. yeah. So no, it's, it's a uh, it's busy time of year gearing up for Christmas. I'll be headed up to the good old state of Virginia, Virginia beach to spend Christmas nice. with my wife's family. So um gearing up for that but in just trying to keep my head above water with all this basketball watching that i don't have enough hours in the day to yeah do. So just just the same old story a different time of year I, it's one of those things where it's like you know if you ask for two more hours in a day and you got them you'd still you'd want two more after that but but honestly if you could just give me like two and a half more hours per day i I think that'd be enough. Like I, I could squeeze in one more game and like an extra hour of sleep. And that is like exactly what I need at this that, point. That's it. Or what do we have to do? Let's make this happen. Uh, we'll get on the phone. We'll call around. We'll see if we can uh, influence <laughs> things here. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to make it work, but no? you never know. Ah, okay. Yeah. Now I do want to let the listeners know a little bit about Spencer. He hasn't been on the last two or three episodes, not because we're excluding him by any means, but he's load been load management. Yeah, load management. He's been very busy, <laughs> but we want to let you guys in on a secret. He actually was on the episode uh, three episodes back with Noah Purser, but his audio uh, totally got messed up, uh, and I had to go back and like chop that up without his parts. But it's glad <laughs> to have 
Spencer back in this thing. And uh, we're going to talk about the Hornets and Kings game here. Uh, we just got through watching the game. Hornets won 110-102. I do want to bring up a couple of injuries because it did play somewhat of a role in this game. Uh, P.J. Washington, first off, uh, has a fractured finger and has been out for the past couple of games. Uh, Indiana, the, the Pacers game on Sunday was his first game out, and then he also missed this one against the Kings. Uh, and then Batum and Marvin Williams were both game-time decisions. Uh, Marvin Williams did play, and, and um, Batum did not dress. And then we also had on the opposing team, De'Aaron Fox uh, had an ankle injury, had been out since mid-November. Uh, and the Kings actually had been you know, all right, playing all right since his injury, basically above 500. But uh, he came back, was on a you know restriction minutes-wise. But I think we should start uh, with the Cody's here, you know, Zeller and Martin to start this off. I think Obviously, we're going to get into Monk's play, but Zeller, you know, just continues to be an important part of this team, uh, and even more so now that teams are trapping and hedging hard on those pick and rolls with Devonte. You know, Zeller is a playmaker out of that five position. You know, he's shown a couple plays in this game where he just demonstrates his value as a passer. You know, he sets a pick for Graham. He he rolls. He catches the ball out of the short roll, and he'll find someone that's open. You know, there was a play in the first quarter where he slipped and found Marvin in the opposite corner for a three. Uh, he also had a nice look-away pass in the third quarter, finding Miles on the block for a dunk. You know, he has several plays like this that uh, are going to be more and more important as opposing teams, you know, make him make a play because Devontae Graham uh, is clearly their top target in trying to get the ball out of his hands. And then lastly, Cody Martin as well. I know that you guys have some strong feelings about him and, and his role with this team, uh, but he continues to play good defense. Uh, he forced Buddy Heald into a fadeaway early in this game, uh, but he also was very aggressive on the offensive end, uh, and he was not second-guessing himself, which he has done uh, at certain points in this season. So, Spencer, I know you have thoughts about uh, Cody Martin. Uh, I just want to hear your thoughts about him and how you view his role on this team uh, and maybe where you should see him playing, whether it's in Greensboro or Charlotte. Well, I hope in Charlotte more often. I mean, I think I've seen enough at this point to proves to me Cody Martin is, is ready – to get minutes in the NBA. I mean, he's checking some of the best wing scorers in the league. You know, when he's asked to, he did a, a pretty damn good job against Buddy Hill tonight, I, I think. I mean, he was certainly a shooter. I don't know. I want, to, I want to say he's one of the best offensive creators from the wing or slashers from the wing. But, man, he. I mean, Martin's big out there, too, and he's long, and he, he's just kind of like – he's kind of swallowed up Heald. It kind of, like, took me back. I was like, man, like, Heald can't do anything with him. He can't get around him. He can't get, like, a head fake and get into his shot, and that guy makes it look so easy. So, um, yeah, and then offensively, like, he just doesn't – he doesn't hurt you, right? Um, he's going to he's gonna get the ball out. Um, and what I like about Martin offensively is he can dribble, he can pass, and almost to the point where I want to say – all right, there's a shot somewhat developing here, um, but he's very selective. He's not, you know, he's not anxious to get the ball in the air. He's going to make the right play. He, he's great on the glass. Six rebounds tonight, I think. Um, few offensive. So, is that right? Six rebounds. He anyway. filled the stat sheet tonight. Yeah, yeah, six, yeah, six, six rebounds. rebounds yeah. One offensive rebound. But it, it's just his impact. You know, it, you, you can't go by him. Um, you know, he, he's going to keep the ball in front, which the Hornets are void of, of those players on this roster. He comes in from the weak side on that short corner, checks down, you know, from the weak side to get the, get the defensive rebound. 
he, he helps from distances that most guys cannot help from in this league and is able to recover back to his man. The ball swung. He, he can make defensive reads. I mean, he looks ready to play NBA minutes. And I, to me, it just doesn't make sense whether or not Nick Batum is healthy to give Nick Batum minutes over Cody Martin. I mean, it, it, we're at the point where – Sure, we can continue down this path where we're winning basketball games and continue to try to win basketball games. That's fine. And still give Cody Martin minutes. I think there's an argument to be made. He actually gives us a better chance to win basketball games Mm -hmm. than Nick Batum does. But there's this $27 million you got to pay him. That's a sunk cost. Like It it just doesn't matter at this point. That that contract happened years ago. Uh, It'll be coming off the books after next season. You're not going to be able to do anything with it between now and then. Develop the guys that are part of the future. He's not. Cody Martin's, if he's not as a better player than Nick Batum, in my opinion, he's certainly just as good at this point. Yeah, I I said this on a on a on a pod a little over a month ago, but it, it, I don't want to compare Cody Martin to Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart is a, is a freaking awesome NBA player and is like a a guy that could start on a on a team that wins a title. Like he's that good. So I don't want to make a direct comparison, but Cody Martin has a similar impact, just winning plays, just one after the other, willing to guard any position, can hang with big wings, is just a genius ball screen defender, uh, fighting over the top, just has great instincts uh, on the basketball and and guarding pick and roll for, I know he's older for, for a rookie, but for a guy that's only played, you know, probably a dozen NBA games or whatever, just really good, NBA defensive uh, level uh, skills in, in terms of pick and roll coverages off the basketball. He's really, really good. I mean, he leads the team in per 36 minutes, charges, uh, deflections and contested three point shots. You saw him in Chicago the other night, his work along the back line, just, I mean, multiple help efforts where it's one of those things where he'll stop a, he'll bump a roller and then the ball will get rotated to the other side. It's his guy that gets the ball in the corner. He's able to close out and, and, and contest a shot. It just, it, he plays very, very hard. He plays like a crazy guy, but it's not, it, it's not like rabid and insane. It's, uh, it's, there's some calculation and some skill and he's there. I think he's clever too. And I think, as you said, offensively, clearly he is gaining confidence. He's looked for his three pointer more. He tried to put one down driving off a closeout earlier in the game too. almost had it. Uh, I think that was, uh, maybe in the first half tonight. Yeah. It was really late in the second quarter, but I just, I continue to be so impressed with this guy and clearly he's a part of the picture going forward. You drafted him. You, you have his bird rights. Like he got him on three years. He's cheap. He's cost effective. And this team, which doesn't have a ton of high level perimeter wing defenders. He is that like he is, he is this team's best one-on-one defender. And, um, and yeah, he just raises the floor of the defense when he's out there. It's pretty obvious to see. And that's one thing that he will bring. That, that That's a constant that he's going to bring with this team. And you guys mentioned Nick Batum about cutting into his minutes, but also you got to mention you know, Dwayne Bacon, you know, Dwayne Bacon is healthy now and he's not going to see minutes, uh, especially with the way that Cody Martin is playing, or you would hope so. Um, you know, Dwayne Bacon's got to get back out of his rut and, and play a little bit better. Uh, I did mention Cody Zeller earlier. Um, I want your thoughts on this pairing that he and, and kind of Bismack are playing to start the game. And I get it. You know, you want to come out strong defensively. 
rebounding the ball is obviously going to be a benefit of having these two players on the court, but offensively, it just squeezes the court a lot. And it's crazy to see how productive Cody Zeller was in this game, considering the fact that you know some of the room in the paint was taken up because Biz couldn't create any space. So do you think this experiment is going to last a little bit, or do you think eventually you know this pairing is going to go away? Well, I, I kind of like it like for a stretch of the season because I think Borrego, I think he's trying to slow most teams down. I think there became a point tonight because Sacramento plays slow that he would have liked to speed the game up. But you know they like to play in this 2-3 zone. They're trying to find a deficiency in on the offensive glass. They did that well tonight between Biz and Cody, eight offensive rebounds combined. I wonder how many of those came together with them on the floor. I don't know if that's a stat that you can pull, but um, it, you know the league wasn't expecting this. They haven't seen much of this, I guess, is, is, is my point. Um, so I, I think it's worthy of a try right now. And you know what? Also, it, it makes Cody Zeller move around the floor. Uh, it makes him, you know... It, pretend like he can play that that stretch power four role where he's got to float to the corner and he's got to move to the top of the arc and he's got to catch it when somebody drives and kicks and 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 then beat a close out and get to the rim which he did that many times tonight with sharing the floor with biz so this isn't a long-term uh solution for charlotte but i i kind of don't mind the experiment in the interim because Again, I think that the Hornets have found something on the offensive glass. Eight combined offensive rebounds for those two tonight, and they out-rebounded Sacramento 51-33. to So, you know, this is something that teams are going to have to start matching up to because Charlotte's been a really good rebounding team the last five games. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, before the Indiana game earlier this week, those two guys hadn't played together since on the on the court at the same time since the 14-15 season. So uh, just, it's crazy to see how in the span of, uh, of just a couple of years, the league has just totally evolved. I mean, that probably wasn't that big of a deal five years ago. And now we're, we're talking about it. Like, uh, like, you know, can they, can they afford to actually have two of these, these six, 11, seven foot guys on the court at the same time? It didn't go well against Indiana earlier this week, minus six Charlotte shot below 29% with those two guys on the court together. But like Charlotte's offense was bad all game, regardless of whom was out there. Uh, Richie, you brought this up a little bit earlier too, but just I do want to touch on it. Cody Zeller's play in the short role has been so good recently, especially um, I, I as teams and we saw Sacramento tonight blitz uh, Devonte Graham switch uh, Marvin Bagley on him at times too, but just sending multiple defenders so he can't get those walk up pull up threes that he's been sort of torching the league with. And I just think Zeller's been very good making plays in space. He had four assists tonight. Uh, it's the second highest total he's had this season. He had five against Sacramento out in California. That actually is a season high. But in five of the last seven games, multiple steals in five of the last seven games for Cody Zeller. And a good number of those are him just making plays on the short roll. But I even thought, um, which is something we've seen P.J. Washington when he's been able to uh, when when they've run pick and roll with PJ as the four with Biz or Cody on the court this season, we've seen PJ make some of those same plays too. Zeller's good at putting the ball on the floor, and, and like Rashawn Holmes is good at this too, and almost just way out of control. But they get about halfway down the lane, they just kind of flip it up towards the rim, and if Biz is is in the dunker spot, he's right there for the offensive rebound, and Cody always seems to kind of get his balance and hop right back up towards the rim, so. 
I do think that there's a little bit of strategy to this. Again, trying to slow the game down and thinking, all right, well, you know, Cody, he's going to go by the closeout. If he doesn't shoot that three, he's going to flip this little shot up. If he doesn't get fouled, we got our two centers down there that are well positioned to get offensive rebound. So I just think they're trying to create new and, and creative ways, if you will, to score the basketball outside of what teams have seen on film from the Hornets, you know, in the first 20 whatever games of the season. And I would make the case that Cody Zeller is probably the most impactful player in this game, at least for the longest stretch of time. But I think we've gone 16 minutes without actually mentioning Malik Monk, the Hornets' yeah. leading scorer. 23 points, had a really good performance in the fourth quarter. But guys, he had 10 rebounds, which I did not realize, uh, and four assists as well. I think what you saw early on with Malik Monk in this game, he continues to be aggressive in attacking the rim. You know, that's kind of been of a, a revelation this season in terms of limiting his mid-range shots and, and limiting his three-point shots and getting to the rim. He had a couple of acrobatic finishes uh, in the third quarter. And having said that, guys, like that, I feel like that builds his confidence in, in shooting the three-point ball. And, you know, we saw that in the fourth quarter with a couple of pull-up above-the-break three-pointers. And just his overall performance in that last quarter was really, really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you can make the case that this was arguably the best game Malik Monk has ever played in, you know, two and a half seasons as a pro. He was sensational. I mean, as you said, Richie, it's been a trend with him attacking to the rim all season. Um, but nice to see. He struggled shooting pull-up threes this season, 23% on pull-up threes this season, only 28% on catch-and-shoot threes. So it's nice to see him. He's been dealing with a little bit of a finger injury on the shooting hand, too. So, that that probably has to factor into this equation a little bit too, but I thought he looked great attacking closeout, some acrobatic finishes at the rim, as you said, ten rebounds, also had four free throw attempts, too, a steal, a couple assists. The the drop off pass he had in like in transition, like a little secondary run out to Zeller for a layup tonight was. I thought maybe the best play he had all game, and that included again some some really daring and and, and artful finishes at the rim, but. Look, he's he's twitchy and he's got he has he can he plays with his head up. He's unselfish. And when he gets rolling downhill like that, I mean, he's a he's a fun player to watch. He's going to have some nights where he throws a couple bad passes. The three doesn't go down. And I think the box score can look bad. But I, I tweeted this out during the game. I think it's important with him just to focus on process process over result and the fact that he is staying aggressive um he is looking to to get downhill get to the rim he's having some success there and he's able to play make for others like check 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 like those are all the things you want to see out of this guy um hats off to malik he in my opinion uh he was the he, he won the game for for charlotte tonight and sort of helped bail out rosier who had a, a tough performance yeah, bingo. Yeah, belled out of Rozier, who really played bad tonight. Um, Monk, a team high, plus 11. You know, the athleticism, finishing at the rim, you know, we've seen it. This is not like the first time we've ever seen that, but certainly impressive. I mean, he he cooked Bogdanovich all night. Um, boy, is that guy easy to go around, by the way. Good Lord. I mean, intriguing, restricted free agent coming up this summer, but, man, he's bad defense. Tonight was not uh, a super encouraging outing from uh, Bogdanovich. Man, it was just too easy. I mean, it's just too easy for Monk to get to his right hand. You know, like, like you said, Brian, you know, he's twitchy, two dribbles, he's at the rim, then he can hang in the air a few seconds, he's going to finish, or he's going to drop it off to Cody coming in from the short court, whatever it might be, so... He's just got a – he does. Monk has a good feel for the game in the half court, um, and it couldn't have come at a better time, as we mentioned earlier, you know, with Rozier's game. So, you know, you, you just 
you just wonder, like, at what point in, in Monks, this is year three now, at what point can he put five to ten to maybe 15 games of consistent mm-hmm. play together, whereas, you know, where his usage rate is up, where he's knocking down one or two threes a game, or he's dishing out three, four, five assists, like, it's all there. We've seen it in these mm-hmm. lightning-in-a-bottle flashes. The last piece here is consistency, and you certainly think that that is going to come with confidence. But, mm-hmm. you know, Malik Monk has to be the master. He has to be the creator of his own confidence. You know, he's talked about, you know, getting a, a, an opportunity uh, and having a chance and, and that being consistent for him in the past. Well, that's not an excuse anymore. He's got that this year. So as encouraging as this performance is tonight, I just we all just want to see some consistency um, from Malik Monk. And, and I think that Borrego would behoove himself to make sure that Monk is getting opportunities to create offense in the half court every single night for the foreseeable future because Monk does have a tendency to – he will take the back seat. He will go stand in the corner. You know, if, if Rozier has got it going a little bit, and, and obviously Devontae Graham's got to touch the ball a, a lot, but Borrego and his coaching staff need to find ways to keep Monk engaged, certainly following this performance. That's so important. Six of seven shooting at the rim tonight for Malik. He's uh, over a third of his field goal attempts this season have been at the rim, and he shot above 66% on those looks too. Hats off to him for that. And um, we just would just add, like, everything that Spencer just said about him trying to build up this season, that's the point of this year, right? As the, as the Hornets are dealing with the absence of Kemba Walker, it's to see what works with these guys to, to develop, to instill confidence, to see what PJ Washington can do, what Malik Monk can do uh, with, you know, sort of a guaranteed um, amount of playing time and responsibility every night. And, Let's just let's hope this is uh, the start of more things to come for Malik because this was as good as I think you'll see him play all year. Yeah, it was a very good performance, and like I mentioned, I think he got his confidence early on by making a, a lot of shots towards the rim, and then the fourth quarter uh, he kind of let it go from deep. And uh, we haven't mentioned Devontae Graham at all. He had a slow start to this game, uh, and obviously as teams are keying in on him, that could be more of the case uh, You know, as the season progresses. He didn't attempt his first field goal until four and a half minutes left in the first half. Uh, and it's very hard to get in a groove and a rhythm that way. And, uh, you know, his first couple of shots didn't fall. And I think a lot of that is due to the fact that, you know, the, the Sacramento Kings were, were trapping him hard and he didn't attempt a shot, like I said, until real late in that first half. But he's still shown that he can impact this game with his passing. And then the Hornets just need to find a way to score quickly out of those double teams when they do have that advantage and he makes that pass to Cody Zeller. And we saw that again tonight. So Devontae Graham, not necessarily his best shooting night. Uh, he still finished with 15 points. Uh, but again, this guy is is a constant, and I think he's definitely leading the case for the most improved player. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I mean, again tonight, um, all of his – three pointers made uh, account for all of his field goals made, you know, so that's, and I know Brian has, has touched on this in the past, you know, we got to see that middle game, that, that, that uh, game at the rim a little bit more often. I mean, that's where Devonte really, really struggles. So he just can't rely on the three point shot to fall uh, at, at that mark over an 82 game sample. You know, it's nice that he's second in the league and yeah. threes made behind James Harden, but I think we would all put pretty confident money that that's not going to continue. So, yeah. you know, he's got to find new ways to score here. But the, the one thing I, I wanted to mention too, specifically with this game tonight, Sacramento trapping Graham almost 
exclusively in this game. We saw a lot of Cody, or excuse me, Cody Zeller playing, uh, you know, with numbers going downhill in the middle of the floor. That really helped Charlotte's offense hum. Having Marvin Williams in there knocking down those threes off rotation was good too. Was Huge. good too. But you know, and, and I don't think that I, I've mentioned this on an episode recently because I haven't been on many episodes recently. But what a boon for Charlotte to have Bismack Biombo, who for the first time in his career, I think, has shown some competency to actually keep the offense moving when Devon, when he sets a ball screen for Devontae or Rosier or whoever it might be, and the trap comes, Biz is actually keeping the ball moving and, dare I say, making a, a few plays uh, in the middle of the court. I mean, I, I haven't seen anybody talk about that, and that's been big, I think, for Charlotte this year is, and, and why Biz has continued to get uh, minutes with Devontae because they know those traps are coming, and Biz has been able to keep the offense moving on. So I just wanted to kind of give him a little shout-out. He's getting consistent minutes. There's something to be said, too, about he just dives hard to the rim, too. And uh, I heard Chris Paul talking about this with regard to Steven Adams and Nerlens Noel in Oklahoma City now. But basically, like, you know how the league credits guys for screen assists now where big guy, you see this with Cody Zeller a lot, big guy sits an on-ball screen, that player goes and hits a shot, the the the, the the player gets credited for uh, for a screen assist for the for the main field goal there, but Chris Ball was talking about having a, a stat where if uh, you know if a big guy rolls to the rim out of the screen roll, help comes over that frees up a guy in the corner for an open three. That guy makes it. Like there should be some there should be some credit for the for the big guy for rolling hard to the rim and, and give this season Bismack. And PJ and Cody have all, I think, had some good success working with Devontae Graham specifically in that, in that screen roll game. And what was also nice, too, about late in the game, Malik playing with his confidence up, they were able to get Devontae Graham off ball. Devontae Graham is a night, considering mm-hmm. that he has, he plays big minutes, he is a high usage, high assist rate guy. Like he just has a lot of playmaking responsibilities on his plate. A lot of guys who have that load when they're off the bat, not a lot, but some of these guys, when they have that load, when they don't have the basketball, you'll see them check out. You know, Russell Westbrook is sort of like famous for this, right? James Harden at times too. Well, Devontae keeps moving. I mean, I'm, he's not Steph Curry, you know, but I think he has some relocation skills. And we saw it tonight where he, he got loose for a couple threes late playing off of Malik Monk. And amongst a guy that, you know, I don't know if he is a, a guy that could ever be a full-time primary initiator of offense, but he's got some secondary playmaking skills, and, and those came up big late for Charlotte. Yeah, that one play where he gums off that back screen, you know, fakes like he's yeah. cutting through, and then he has that, that corner three. The, those are basically the only shots Devontae gets from the corner. From the corner, too. yeah. Like, right. They're yeah. all that one little action, basically. And I, I think it's good that you do get him off ball because I think opposing teams have a harder time in, in doubling or shading that way. I think, obviously, if you have the ball in your hands a lot uh, off those pick and rolls at the top, uh, it, it's easier to trap and it's easier to get the ball out of his hands. But uh, if you start with the ball out of your hands, it's not as easy for an opposing team to kind of stop you. We yeah, saw that how many times with Kemba, right? Right, right. Yeah, and it, it's not your traditional rotation. Yeah, when you're blitzing a ball screen at the top of the key, you know, the other three guys on the floor, they know where they're supposed to rotate to. When you're, you know, it's the Steph Curry effect again, you know, when you're blitzing an off-ball action in the corner or on the sideline, like that's – guys don't have, know where they're supposed to rotate to or have to rotate that much farther. So, yeah, absolutely, Charlotte should be looking for more and more opportunities to get Devontae off-ball and – Look, Malik Monk, he really is the key that unlocks that door, I think. 
Rozier to an extent, but yeah, Monk. Monk is the is really the sort of like the, the next elevator. Yeah, 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 100%. Next elevator. yeah. Last player I want to get to is Miles Bridges. He only played 21 minutes tonight uh, against Sacramento. Four points, one rebound. Uh, didn't have that big of an impact on this game. Uh, he did have a, an awesome dunk in the first quarter off of a spin move. Uh, and actually, Rod Boone of The Athletic wrote an article today talking about that move that he developed over the offseason uh, with assistant coach Jay Hernandez and just kind of having that secondary move. I'm not really sure what his primary move is, but that's that's a secondary move that he said. So I know, and I know we harp on this a lot about his defense, uh, and, and clearly it, it is still an issue. And one thing that I've noticed, uh, when he does get beat, he tends to take himself out of the play, meaning he doesn't get back, he doesn't attack the rebounds. One game, I just want to spend like an entire game just watching him and maybe put out like a video or a thread. Because I think sometimes, you know, when you watch a game, you don't necessarily focus on one player. You just focus on the ball and whoever's guarding the ball. But one one game, I'm just going to focus my my entire efforts to watch him on the defensive side uh, just to kind of point out some of the things that he is lacking on that end. And uh, I, I know we harp on this a little bit too much, but it's something that's glaring and it, it continued to show, you know, itself, and especially in the first half. So Miles Bridges, a little bit concerning with his play. It's up and down. Uh, he, he actually had some... You know, last handful of games have actually been pretty impactful, but this game, not so much. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, gosh, it's just so repetitive at this point, his defensive lapses. Um, you know, my theory with Miles, uh, with his defense, and really just his body language in general sometimes on the floor when he's not destroying the rim, which is, I think this is a, a classic example of a guy who throughout his basketball career dating, you know, back to middle school, high school has just coasted on athleticism. And, uh, you know, he, when you watch him defensively, like you said, Richie, just the, the, how nuanced he is with taking himself out of the play. It's like, it's like he's playing at the Dowd YMCA, right? Like a pickup game. He's like, I'm going to do this little closeout, but I'm not really going to communicate through it. And then when my guy goes by me, I'm just going to stand straight up and watch and hope we grab the rebound, and I'm going to cherry pick towards the other end. It's like, and I don't know, it's just the body language is like breathtaking how bad it, it can be with Miles. So I really do. I just think this is a guy who's coasted on his athleticism his entire career. I, mentally, he hasn't figured it out that this isn't going to work in the NBA yet. I'm positive that, that he's being reminded of this constantly. But, you know, like talking about Malik earlier, you know, all the tools are there and we've seen it. I mean, he had a steal tonight that got Charlotte into transition. BG, before we jumped on, you you brought up uh, him coming and crashing in from the weak side and, and mm-hmm. tearing up an alley-oop, you know, disrupting that earlier. So, I mean, the physical tools are there, but I, I, I just – you know, and we've gotten to the point where, look, Michael K. Gilchrist has been incorporated back into the lineup. Uh, Charlotte's kind of going for it here, if you, if you will, at 13 and 17. They're obviously trying to win games. And guess what? Michael K. Gilchrist gives them a better chance to win basketball games than Miles Bridges does right now. He just does. You can, I'm sure I'll get pushback about that, but he's a better, he's a winning player. And in my opinion, probably a better player overall. So I don't know where this goes for Miles, but I think it is good for him that he has to watch from the sidelines in important minutes no minutes in the fourth quarter tonight for miles uh, only eight in the second half only got one shot up in the second half so i think this is good for his development it, it holds his feet to the fire and he he's he's going to have to dig in deeper on the defensive end if he wants to stay on the floor when it matters for this team
Yeah, you could see Sacramento out of halftime um, immediately went after they, they had a couple design sets for Harrison Barnes, who Miles was covering, and that involved some sort of off ball action and then to a cut. And, and Black Falcon got loose uh, for for a couple of buckets. A couple things I'll, I will throw in and then bring it back to Miles. If we're going to talk about most and most improved players, like my vote would be for Devontae Graham, I think as well. But Bam Adebayo, I think, has a really strong case for that award too he he might be the front runner I just feel like there's at least nationally a little bit more buzz his team is better yada 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 um you also Spencer brought up MKG this this isn't something that is totally like earth shattering that a six seven forward is shooting a couple three pointers now but like Michael Kidd Gilchrist prior to tonight has a three point attempt rate of 33 percent I mean there was a time not that long ago, like two years ago, where maybe even last season, where we would have thought, hey, man, if this guy could get his three-point attempt rate above 30%, what kind of NBA player does he become? And uh, it's sort of interesting just as, like, new guys have funneled in that played the three and the four, um, that the sort of the desire for MKG to – uh, be stepping in and taking threes like that. It just, that used to be a huge deal when this guy would make a three, even if it was from the corner. And now like no one, no one blinks now. So um, that probably will serve him better starting next season uh, and, and going forward um, or, or, or we'll see sort of as Spencer said, as, as perhaps the Hornets look to make a, a bit of a, a playoff push. But if I were Charlotte, that play that he broke up the alley-oop to Bagley on, um, about the 720 mark of the second quarter. I, I made a note on it. I, I would show that I'd cut that play up to him and I would show it to him after the game or tomorrow morning or whatever, before they play again tomorrow night or Wednesday night, because I'm sure he's seen a lot of cuts of him struggling off ball. And I'd like this for him to see, like, look what, look what happens when you're locked in on the help here. Yeah. Look, look who you're capable. Marvin Bagley is a six eleven jumping, a pogo stick, you know, and that dude can get up and can throw down on basically anybody. And you went up there and blew up this alley-oop to him. Like you could do this yeah. three times a game, not yep. once a month, you know? Yep. Um, yep. So I would, I would really hone in on positive reinforcement with him on that. Um, as opposed to him needing to see the, like, six times that Harrison Barnes cut right in front of him for a, a, a you know, an easy bucket tonight. So anyways, those, those are my two cents on, on, on miles. Again, I don't think it's an effort thing. He's just got to like play basketball. He's got to watch film. And as and Spencer brought up a really good point, like watching from the sidelines, probably a pretty good thing to getting to see guys like Marvin and PJ handle those responsibilities. Uh, Cody Martin for that matter too. Those are good guys to take in because they generally hit their assignments. We need we need an assistant coach on the bench to count defensive possessions. Every five defensive possessions, this de- this coach should hear Miles talking on three of them. And when he when he falls short of that, he comes and sits on the bench. That's the rule. Like something like that should be built in, or put a shot collar on him. And every time he doesn't talk on the defense, <laughs> like zap him. Like I mean. You know, to go with what you're saying, Brian, just the general got to play, got to watch film, got to get a better feel, you know, got to get up to the speed of an NBA game. He has got to talk. That's half. That's more than half of his problem is like tonight. We saw it. He (laughs) he switches with biz on. I don't remember who it was now. Billy's there. Somebody who moonwalks to the rim and lays it in. 
and, and you know, it, he, again, his body language is so bad. He kind of looks back and kind of throws his arms up. And Biz looks at him like, you never said a thing. How was I supposed to know that I'm switching on to anyone? And so it's just, I, I would make the guy talk. Whether or not he even knows what he's talking about, make him remember to say something while he's also moving his feet and playing defense. Just adding one other layer to, to the to the defensive process. I don't know, but it's just an idea, Miles. So let me know what you think. All right, taking a look at the next couple of games for the Hornets. Uh, they play a back-to-back. Uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers here, have a couple, Ooh, have a couple mess of a team. Yeah, by the way. yeah, yeah. Uh, that should be a high <laughs> ratings game right there. And then they have another back to back Saturday and Sunday with the Utah Jazz, and then they're going to Boston to play the Celtics on Sunday evening. Guys, you, you got you got to love how the Cavs like you know Marvin Williams is a great role model leader to have around young forwards or young 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 guys on the roster like pj and miles and cody think about having a young backcourt and is there like a more destructive force to have around than jordan freaking clarkson being like yeah just do whatever you want guys take all the bad shots ignore the coaches don't play a lick of defense (laughs) it's uh it's amazing that some of these guys are still like I remember watching the Cavs last season with some of the holdovers from LeBron and subsequently Corvers got out of there. Smith's gone. Hood's gone. But obviously you still got Kevin Love. You still got Tristan Thompson. You still got Jordan Clarkson. You're like, what are these guys doing here still? Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, like it, I remember a couple of years ago on the low post, Brian Windhorse used the term, uh, organizational fatigue for when LeBron like, mm. he, he wears out a franchise and, when he, and it's worth it. Right. Cause you, he's the, he's the, he's amazing. He's one of the best ever. He's, you know, one, a one B whatever. And you're going to, he's going to take you to the height of the heights of success in professional sports. But like, this is what it looks like on the backside when Pat Riley isn't like your president of basketball operations, you know, like this is what yeah. it looks like. Like two years later, you are rudderless, like stories getting leaked to the media you got role players there that don't make a damn bit of sense. Like draft picks aren't ready to like actually win basketball games. And this is what it looks like, man. Well, they're developing a new kind of organizational fatigue with that Garland Sexton backcourt because those guys don't pass the ball. At no, all. no, no. Also one more note. And I know Brian tweeted this out. So it's a little bit of overkill, but I was so amazed when I saw it, I had to, press replay on my tv darren fox jumped over he over. leaped he leapfrogged Devonte graham tonight <laughs> completely jumped over him I, I it was amazing he's missed the last first game back yeah first game back with injury. Injury. ridiculous i mean he looked like a you know like a little rusty but man that dude like it he hadn't lost a step that's for sure of, of speed of pace or balance like he was out there flying around tonight almost literally over Devonte graham too amazing I think he was their leading scorer uh, for the Kings uh, on the night there. So, uh, you know, who knows if he didn't come back, you know, tonight, who knows how close that game would have been. Uh, so thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another Buzz Beat. As always, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you share that with us, you can join our conversations within our Slack channel. So go ahead and do that for us. Uh, for Brian and Spencer, I am Richie. We will see you guys next time.